Hello, church family. Um, today we're going to go over Acts chapter 19, verse 8 to 20. And as we go over this, we, we're going to touch on some strange topics, at least for us modern Christians, because it's something that I think people struggle with, and, and this isn't really um, controversial uh, because of the way the media portrays it, but it's a topic of exorcism. Um, it seems to be that uh, especially in the last several decades, with different films and pop culture references, there's a there's a there's a there's an assumption that um, exorcism either swings, either are like you know something that Christians do, like it's some sort of spiritual gift, or we lean to the other extreme where like okay, this this cannot happen in uh, in the world, and I don't think that's either extremes are healthy because it's not that. Not that I believe that there are some sort of ritual that Christians can use or holy water sprinkle on people that, um, you know, are demonically possessed and therefore they can get healed. I don't think the Bible ever teaches that, but this definitely practiced in things like the Roman Catholic Church. And I don't think the other extreme is healthy either when they think that it's, it, it cannot be possible, um, that this is that somehow the devil will never possess anyone nowadays. And, and I think, again, both extremes, they're, uh, they're wrong because I do believe that it's still possible in the world, um, but maybe not in the way that we think. Uh, and as we go through this, uh, we're going to see how um, how the how the early church dealt with this. Uh, if you remember, chapter 19, there were in the beginning of it, there were these uh, 12 disciples that were not really disciples of Jesus yet, but they were disciples of John the Baptist. They were baptized by the uh, they they did the baptism of John the Baptist. And uh, they didn't know about Jesus, they haven't really received him yet, but the moment they did become a believer, the Holy Spirit entered into them, and they were able to speak in, in different languages and were prophesying. And now the, the source shifts a little bit, where Paul is now doing uh, more ministry uh, in, in, in Ephesus, and as he's doing these things, he encounters different people, particularly one with a, a demoniac. And, uh, and, and as he's doing this, um, I think the lesson that I want to draw from all of this is that uh, the, 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 the superiority of God's word um, and that God's word is really the more superior than any ritual or anything um, that really God's word is one that could truly change and to you know, cast out demons uh, and that's, this is not really that message about how to do it but at least I think just drawing from principles here we can see that, that God's word is really the thing that, that fixes uh, even the, the most demonically possessed um, so uh, this is not like a how-to, it's not like a Ghostbuster type thing, but this is at least just let us understand how the early church dealt with it. So starting from uh, verse 8, And he entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. So this is Paul here. He's preaching Christ to people, and this is, again, a very typical thing. If you notice in Paul's ministry, he'd go to the synagogues, he would try to um, talk with them, reasoning with them from the scriptures about who Jesus is. Verse 9, but when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, meaning that, um, you know, kind of like the Romans 1 idea where they uh, they don't want to hear anymore. And again, it could be for different reasons. They could, it could be because they don't believe in the gospel, or it could be that they're jealous of uh, the fact that Gentiles can become saved as well. Whatever it may be, uh, God has given them over to their, to, to their unbelief. And it says that they become hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people, uh, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of uh, Tyrannus. So Paul here, he's, he, with those 12 earlier, he's trying to reason with them, and I'm sure they were trying to do the same as well, trying to convince the Jews that Jesus is the Lord. And um, 
and, and you know they rejected the, uh, the the faith. They didn't want to have anything to do with Christianity, which is a result of them leaving and going to this place called Tyrans, which is about five hours away, uh, uh, five hours away from. Uh, or no, sorry, they were teaching about four or five hours every single day, uh, but they were, they went to a different place to teach. And as they were doing so, uh, people were getting saved. People were, um, you know, being convinced. Um, and we'll see. Look, verse ten. This took place for two years, so that all who live in Asia heard the uh, the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greek. So for two years, Paul and these original twelve, these new disciples, these twelve people in the beginning of chapter. 19 are are being are just being used by the lord he's ministering evangelizing training up disciples he's been doing this for two years and he's proclaiming uh, uh, the word of god and both the jews and gentiles are being saved verse 11 god was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of paul so again this is to demonstrate that paul is the genuine apostle of the lord that everything he's saying everything he's doing will point to the lord jesus christ and uh, this is, again, not new. Uh, in Second Corinthians, I think it's chapter 11. Um, yeah, Second Corinthians, sorry, chapter 12. It said, The signs of the true apostles were performing among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. So, you know, Paul was here just showing these miracles and miraculous things to authenticate that he's a true disciple. First of all, so the handkerchiefs and aprons were even carried from his body to the sick, and the disease left him, and the even spirits, and the evil spirits went out. So handkerchiefs—that's like almost like a bandana in our modern day. Uh, they wanted to, um, you know, just touch these things, and then uh, they they thought they would be saved. And by God's grace, they actually did get saved. Again, this is where it gets kind of tricky. Where when we talk to those that are in the charismatic circles, because they. If you look at some of the charismatic preachers, they will swing their clothing around thinking that they could heal people. And that's different from the way that Paul was doing it. When Paul was doing it, people were actually healed immediately. When these charismatic preachers nowadays that you see on TV do it, uh, it doesn't happen right away. You can see a whole mile, uh, you know, mountains of people just kind of fall over and everything. But it's not like they're really saved. You, you, know, you very rarely see someone that, or even ever see like a person in a wheelchair up in those stages. They get hit by the clothing, also they stand up and walking. Now, am I saying that God is uh, saying that this can never happen all of existence from now on? No, that's not what I'm saying. I do think that the way that Charismatics does it and the way that the Bible prescribes it are, are radically different. The way that Charismatics usually do it is they try to like basically force God to do some sort of miracle uh, and it never happens. Whereas I think the biblical way is to it's, it's that people actually happens immediately. There's no delay and when it happens, it's supposed to point people to the Lord, not to the preacher. So here in this context, the Jewish, uh, you know, Paul was doing this and people were getting saved. And uh, yeah, and in verse 13, but also some of the Jewish exorcists who came from place to place attempted to, to name over those who had the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. So there were these Jewish people that tried to basically again, jump on the bandwagon saying, oh, hey, look, there's another method to get rid of demons so they thought that um, by saying things in the name of jesus christ that people will come to saving faith and these false teachers they didn't even know who jesus is but they just they thought that it's jesus you know by saying the name of jesus it's just some sort of um chant or or summoning you know just like what people try to do they try to market christianity yeah and that's not what we do here as a bible it is definitely a, a what other churches have done you know like if you go, believe in jesus then your your bank account's going to be more if you believe in jesus then your health is going to be better it's all of these different things that's to try to use and leverage jesus for your own material gain 
that's what these people here they try to use um, God to heal people in, in the name of Christ and and we see that it kind of flips on them verse 15 seven sons of one Sceva a Jewish chief priest were doing this so again these are religious people that are trying to uh, exploit the name of Jesus Christ verse 15 the evil spirit answered and said to them I recognize Jesus and I know Paul and I know about Paul but who are you now it's fascinating that the demons say, I recognize Jesus. There's this personal element to it that he, he knows who Jesus is. That, you know, demons, you know, they were fallen angels. They've at some point in all of redemptive history, not even redemptive history, just all of history, at some point they were good angels and they were in the presence of God. At some point they, fa they fell, and obviously before the fall, uh, but they fell and they... Um, uh, you know they're obviously condemned, and uh, they recognize Jesus. You remember when, when, when Jesus encountered demoniac, the demoniac, the demons said like, you know, you're the Messiah. Don't throw us into the abyss. So they know who Jesus is, and they also recognize who Paul is as well. But they don't recognize this this um, this, this this Jewish chief priest, um, which is again it shows you like the effects of uh, the minister, the, faith, the effectiveness of Paul and his ministry that demons were being cast out. Um, verse 16, and the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped out of them and subdued all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. So it's, it's strange how this is happening. It just seems like the demons know who they are and they attack them and they end up leaving and running away. Verse 17, this became known to all those who are uh, to all, both Jews and Greek, who lived in Ephesus and fear fell upon them all. The name of the Lord Jesus was being maligned, uh, was being magnified. So the Christians, even non-Christians, were like thrown off at what they were seeing. Uh, they didn't understand what they were seeing, and then in the, even in those areas, um, you know, they glorified the Lord. Verse 18, many also who had believed kept coming, confessing and disclosing their practices. And many of, the, of those who practiced magic bought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone. And they counted of the pri price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So... When Paul did what he did, or really the Lord doing what he did, because it says that um, you know, Paul using, I mean, being used by the Lord in verse 11, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Uh, people ended up denying and leaving these uh, exorcist pact, these, these 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 demonic this exorcism. They they gave up those, those kind of supernatural practices, and they said they they burned about fifty thousands worth of silver, which is a lot of money. And it just shows you that the, the culture shifts only because uh, they, uh, the culture only shifts when God's word be proclaimed. Because we see here at verse 20, so the word of God was growing mightily and prevailing. God's word is what gives people victory. God's word is what heals people. God's word is what is going to change people and give them eternal hope. When we think about, you know, what do we do when there is a demonic possession? Really, the only thing that we can do is um, just, to, just to reveal that person the word of the living God. A genuine believer cannot be demonically possessed. A non-believer can get demonically possessed, but the solution for the non-believer is not to get the demon out of them, but to get, to, but to accept Jesus Christ. I do think that even those that are demonically possessed have some level of control of what's going on. They might be moved to do more things that are weird and harmful, but that doesn't mean that they don't, they're not responsible for some things that they're doing. I think that the only way they could change them is that the Holy Spirit works in their life and they come to saving faith. So if you ever encounter someone like this, then really the only solution is to bring to them the Word of God. 
It's that the word of God is really what changes them. It's not some holy water that you sprinkle on them or some in, or some in, enchantation that you do. It's really just the, the word of God that penetrates the heart and frees the person's mind. And that's why in, um, in, in the scriptures we're talking about how when you tear down fortresses, um, I think the demonically inspired people now are not like the things that we're thinking about. It's not like the ones that you know could somehow walk on walls or you know do those like things that you see in movies. Rather, it's just it's just anyone that is influenced by worldly ideas, anything that is uh, not biblical, or people that are influenced by the work of the devil. And the only way to really overthrow those things is not to cast a spell or anything like that, but really is to is to teach them the word of God. And the God, the word of God is what renews the mind of people so that they can. Re- get rid of those type of thoughts and get rid of those type of worldviews and then believe in Jesus Christ. Especially in our Western worldview, I don't think the, the, I think the greatest demonically inspired people are those that are, you know, the false teachers. Interesting, the ironically, it's, it's, it's those charismatic teachers I find that they are the most demonically influenced because they draw the attention away from the Lord and draw them to a false gospel. And I believe that anything that draws anyone away to a false gospel is demonic whether it is a different religion or a different worldview. If it's not biblical, then it's demonic. And like the devil will not go against those, um, you know, the devil will not tear his own house down, right? That's what the Pharisees accused Jesus of. Um, they're saying that, uh, you, you know, Jesus was uh, is, is doing the work of the devil. And Jesus responds to saying, like, well, who tears down their own house? How would they stand? So, you know, demonic people will always go against the scriptures. And, but yet the only cure against them is the scripture. If you want to win people away from the ideas of, uh, you know, demonic ideas or even lifestyle, the only solution is the gospel. It's the word of a living God that will transform their hearts and their mind so that they can live in a way that's actually the way that God wants them to live. So they can live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. So the solution, again, is not to, uh, the way to do exorcism, which I don't really believe. In fact, in verse um I think in verse 13 of uh, chapter 19, that word extras, that's the only time that, that that word shows up in the Bible it's here in this particular portion. It never shows up again. So there's no spiritual gift of, of, of extras in like 1 Corinthians 12 or 1 Corinthians yeah, 12 or, or Romans 12. Rather, this seemed to be uh, something the apostles and Jesus was able to do, but how they did it was through the word of God. It wasn't that uh, it, it was the word of God that penetrated and changed them. Um, that's why God's word is so important. It's not the, it's the, it's the truth that's in God's word that makes things better. It's not the rituals or anything like that, because the Bible doesn't prescribe those things. But it does prescribe the need to teach God's word faithfully, and that's what's going to give them new life. So that's how you deal with those type of situations. I, I think the best way to do, and uh, you know, I've, I've I've known people that claim. Uh, even people that I respect that claim, yeah, this person is probably demonically possessed, and the only real solution and outcome is like you pray for them and you just share with them the gospel, because that's really the only thing that changes their life. Anything else are just superstitious thing that you know from the world, and and it's not really going to do anything. If we buy into it, then really we're, you know, that's how the devil wins in that way. We we're not trusting in the Lord, and we're not trusting God's word, but we're trusting in these rituals. And that's not what we're called to be. We're called to always be dependent on God's word in all circumstances. So that's it for today. And hope that this was helpful in terms of giving you a little taste of how to deal with people that are demonically possessed. It's, again, it's it's not really uh, some sort of like, task or list of things you need to do, but really to proclaim the word of God. And the word of God will work in their life so they can be 
to be clear-headed and be free from the grips of the devil. Thanks for listening. Take care and have a great day.